With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast. It is Thursday, December 17th, 2015. I am MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennock, joined once again by Torch senior columnist Sean Ennis. Sean, how are you tonight? I am feeling good, man. It's good to be back in the uh, back in the old podcasting chair. I've I've been doing a lot of this this week uh, for for us. This is my third show of the week, which is uh, prolific as far as the MMA Torch podcast is concerned. Unstoppable. Um, unstoppable. We might have a fourth show this week. Uh, Rich Hansen <laughs> and I might be doing a, a post-mortem on Saturday's UFC on Fox 17 event. So hey, um, look out. keep an eye out on that. that. That very well may be coming Saturday night after the fights, which is one of the main topics that we will be touching on tonight. UFC on Fox 17 comes to uh, Orlando, Florida on Saturday. And it ends a string of four events from the UFC in nine days, a massively busy schedule. Obviously, we've spent a lot of time this week talking about everything that happened last week uh, from UFC Fight Night 80 and Rose Namajunas dominating in that and uh, the Tough 22 finale where we had uh, um, Frankie Edgar knocking out Chad Mendez. Um Tony Ferguson got in a, a great performance over the weekend. And then, of course, UFC 194, uh, two titles changing hands, Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. Sean, uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time um, continuing to talk about what happened last week, but I want to get your thoughts on the three-day week from the UFC, the three events in three days the pay-per-view event on Saturday and the title changes that we that we witnessed uh, in an in a historic UFC 194 event. Yeah, I'll I'll kind of give like a high-level overview here since, like you said, you've done a lot of work this week on it already. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think enough has been said about Conor McGregor to last until the next time he fights, so I'll leave that one alone. But suffice it to say that uh, it was a pretty incredible performance. Um, you know, uh, the, the length of the fight notwithstanding. Um, you know, Jose Aldo, after not losing for a decade, getting knocked out with one punch is pretty incredible. Um, you know, I, I will say this, and I, here I go. I said I wasn't going to say much about McGregor. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I will say this. You know, the last time 
that McGregor fought when he fought Chad Mendes, um, I said to my brother who was watching the fight with me uh, that the last guy that we saw with this kind of power was Anderson Silva. And what I mean by that, and I'm not comparing the two because I'll get to that in a minute, but the the way that people look when they get hit by Conor McGregor is similar to the way they looked when they got hit by Anderson Silva, which was, you know, it didn't look like he was throwing big overhand rights and like, you know, uh, throwing these big giant punches. But when he caught somebody, they got that look on their face like, I am in trouble. And that is kind of the same thing that happened against Chad Mendes. Obviously, he didn't have time to happen against Aldo because the first punch he landed knocked him out. But, um, you know, when he said precision beats power, that was Anderson Silva's game. You know, Anderson Silva wasn't a power puncher. He was a precision precision puncher. Um, now, the reason I'm not going to compare the two overall is because uh, Silva did not get hit nearly as much as uh, McGregor does. Um, so, you know, I think that'll be a difference between them, although McGregor does seem to have a pretty uh, pretty solid chin, to say the least. Um but that's all I'll say about that for now. Uh, you know, suffice it to say, incredible performance. Looking forward to what he does next. Um, you know, and he's got, obviously, uh, transcendent power. So, moving on from that. <laughs> um, I, w- I was not necessarily surprised by the, uh, the Rockhold-Weidman uh, fight. I thought that, that w- that's actually pretty much what was going to happen is Rockhold would uh, uh, end up rolling over uh, Weidman eventually. I, I didn't think it was going to take as long as it did, quite honestly. It looked like both guys kind of had an adrenaline dump at the beginning of the fight. And then, um, you know, Weidman actually seemed to get the second win first. But uh, I think Rockhold is just, you know, the, the, the thing with, um, with MMA that you see a lot of times is when skill levels are similar or, you know, close to the same, size matters more. And, you know, Rockhold is just a giant, um, a giant middleweight. So, you know, he's got a, I think Weidman and Rockhold have a pretty similar game, although Rockhold's, you know, probably focused a little bit more on striking than Weidman is. Um, and, you know, when you have that, when you have guys that are that similar, you know, I think the, uh, the, the size advantage is going to be that much more pronounced um, when, uh, when skills and, uh, uh, you know, game plans are, are similar enough. So moving on from that, um, you know, not, not a whole ton else to talk about on that card. You know, I, I did have Souza winning the, the Romero fight, but that being said, I can't make that big of a, a fuss about it. Um, you know, pride rules, Romero probably wins that, which is not relevant, but, you know, it is It is what it is. Um <laughs> It's not relevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) What has that ever stopped me before, right? (laughs) Don't ever change, Sean. (laughs) Um, You know, Demon Maia looked uh, really good, obviously. Um, You know, I don't know that anything goes differently for him against the uh, the very top tier of the welterweight division. But, you know, he's obviously showing that at 38 years old, he has not lost a step on the ground. I mean, he's just rolling over guys that he should roll over. Um, that was fun to watch. Is, it was fun yeah, to watch. Was, yeah. You know, I was happy that it went the way it did because, you know, you always had that that terrifying possibility of two elite level grapplers that stand up and have a bad kickboxing match, and uh, I was glad that didn't happen. Yeah, uh, Maya had no interest in that, which was nice. Yes, because he yes. has in the past. Exactly, he's gone and that I, route in the past, and he said, yeah. "Nope, not happening." <laughs> well, and that's the thing is his takedowns are good enough that he doesn't have to stay on the feet, you know, he, and, and obviously his, uh, his grappling obviously is, is, uh, top of the line. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really good stuff and, and, and glad to see it. Um, other standout guys, you know, uh, Worley Alves, Leonardo Santos, uh, both looked really good. Um, 
And, I mean, Uriah Faber was showing some cracks in the armor. You know, Frankie Sines is a tough guy. I don't know if this is going to mean something. I don't know if this means that, uh, that Faber is fading necessarily. But then again, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me either uh, at this point. You know, but but again, Frankie Sines is a tough dude. So uh, there is that. It's still with. insane that throw out the Frankie Edgar five-round loss, Uriah Faber has only been beat in title fights in like a decade. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> And when you look at that fight, the thing the thing that did concern me about Faber in that fight was he had signs hurt, like, bad. You know, he had him on ice skates. He gassed himself out trying to finish it. He did. He did. And, and usually that's kind of his thing. You know, he yep. hurts guys on the feet and he finishes them quickly. You know, subs them, you know, does whatever. Credit to Zions on that. Most guys would be gone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The guy's tough as nails. Uh, and, and to be able to, you know, not only survive, but then to be able to come back, you know, and uh, and do pretty well for himself after that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that fight. Uh, it was. It was a good quite fight a bit because of that. Yeah, yeah, it was a good fight. Yeah. Um, other than that, let's see. Uh, if I look back at, I don't have the other fights in front of me at the moment from from the weekend. But um, you know, Nami Yunus, you talked about uh, a smoking page Van Zant. I think that was pretty much ex- uh, expected by those who um, follow the industry. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know what you guys said about, said about it before the fight, but I imagine that that was you know that. Uh, uh, Everyone was pretty much on board with uh, with Rose winning that fight. Um, Sage Northcutt, you know, continues. He'll continue to get guys that he can beat for quite some time, I believe, uh, which is fine. He's 19 years old. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, let's see. Other than that, uh, Frankie Edgar is a beast, continues to be a beast, and uh, I will be happy to watch him fight whoever he fights next. I, I hope it's Conor McGregor. Um, you know, you've probably gone over the... Uh, uh, the storyline of will he or won't he go to lightweight, you know, several times already this uh, over the past week or so. Um, I'll be more interested in talking about that once we actually hear what his next move is. Certainly intriguing either way, but uh, you know, I, I would love to see him fight Frankie Edgar. Um, yeah, we'll we'll so, find we'll find out what Connor's next move is as soon as he and the UFC figure out whether he's going to be making twenty or twenty one million <laughs> for his next fight. <laughs> They're going to pay him whatever he wants. Oh, I know man. that he's, much. He's, he's going to be a rich man. <laughs> I, you know what? And another thing about Conor McGregor, and I know we don't want to get too lost in Conor McGregor talk. But it's easy and it's fine. It's absolutely it fine. He's deserving of the conversation. Yeah. It, and I mean, we we the, the fact is we've never seen a guy like this before because this is a guy who knows what he's worth. You know, who knows what a fighter is worth and what he specifically is worth. And this, I mean, he could be changing the game for everybody right now, you know, uh, I mean, that's that's probably an optimistic viewpoint, um, but there is that possibility that he's that he is changing the game for everyone. He's, cha- he's fighters... changing the game for star fighters. Yes. And at the same time, it's going to take someone who has something resembling what he possesses to take advantage of that, because there are star fighters and there are star fighters. Yeah. Yeah. There is a difference, albeit slight, a semantical difference here perhaps, but there is a very real tangible difference between what Conor McGregor does in and out of the cage and what we've seen from just about everyone else. And yep. I, I think I mentioned this with uh, with Mike on Sunday. I don't think I got into this with Todd when we talked on Tuesday, but there, the big difference for me between Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey is that McGregor's not just happy to go along with whatever the UFC yep. is going to do. The UFC 
is happy to give Rhonda as much as they feel like giving her. That that's that it's it's not a, a matter of her being necessarily underpaid, although she might be. Yeah. But <laughs> but she's also more than willing to say, "Oh, you know, I I'm working with them. They're with me." Right. Connor's Connor's more than willing to say, "Well, you know, the, yeah, nice. They they've they they've they've put the platform out there." It's me. Yep. It's 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 yep. about me, <laughs> and yep. he's he's gonna. I mean, they're, they're they they better be getting ready to co-promote with uh, with Conor McGregor here pretty soon. Yeah, and you know he he's not wrong. You know, uh, I, I think we've all been um, we've all been kind of spoiled uh, to this point that um, MMA has not turned out like boxing. Uh, you know, with all the different promoters and all the different you know, uh, logistics of putting big fights together and things like that. And I hope it never turns into that. Um, but at the same time, I think the UFC is best served to figure out how to make guys like Conor McGregor happy uh, while still maintaining their, their same, you know, or not their same business model, but their uh, the way they put on fights. Because if guys start splitting off, you know, then we're going to run into, you know, uh, boxing territory. The, and, U- um, the UFC has had their run of trying to yes. to push the letters U, F, and C over everything else. Yes. And it didn't really work. Right. That, and that's the thing. That's, been, I, think it, that's, I think that's clear. Their worst pay-per-view yeah. business of the last several years, or the, the worst, their worst pay-per-view business since Zufa took over and The Ultimate Fighter happened, happened in the last few years right. and they are they are bouncing back in a huge way in large part because they have allowed the star fighters to stand out yeah and that's you know i hopefully that's that's the lesson that they take from this is you know it's going to be guys like that you know obviously these guys aren't going to come along every day and you're going to go you know spans without anyone like that but you know you're a promoter so yeah. You know, the, hopefully they, they, they start realizing that it's up to them to get these guys over to the point where they're drawing cards, even if they're not going to be transcendent drawing cards. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, also Tony Ferguson, obviously, uh, Beastly, you know, looking forward to see whatever he does next. God, that fight um, was awesome. It was, it was, uh, that that might have been the most fun fight of the whole weekend. It um, might, it's one honestly. of the most fun fights of the whole year. It really I, is. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I fully admit that there's still some recency bias about it. But I'm sitting here almost a week later, and I still love everything about that fight, with the exception yeah. of the illegal, the illegal kick, kick on yeah. the ground. You know, I thought going into that event, I thought, I wonder if, because everyone knew going into that fight, you knew Tony Ferguson and Marboza was going to be good. Or, you know, at least there was a really solid possibility of it. Uh, I mean, Tony Ferguson has not been in a bad fight yet that I can remember. Um, so, yeah. I wonder going into the fight this would be forgotten by the end of the weekend, but uh, I don't think it has been. I think a large part everybody is still um, Tony Ferguson, even with glut of uh, fights and, and newsworthy fights that happened over the weekend. And, and that's that's a good thing. It's a good thing for, for him uh, as well, obviously. You know, it's, it's going to be good to see him. Jeez, I, I mean, he, he can't get that far away from a title shot. He's got to get two wins in a row, and uh, I, he's going to give trouble to whoever's up there, man. Whoever's whoever the champion, whoever's in three, he's going to give him some money. He's got a real shot against anybody right now. He's on a roll, which is great. Uh, 
So yeah, at this point, I have the week anyway. So it was all good stuff. Very enjoyable. I just want to check here because I felt... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I feel like I lost you a little bit there. Can you hear me all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're yep. breaking up a little bit. I don't know if your connection's uh, all there, but we'll we'll keep soldiering on. Luckily, we are recording and we're not live, so you know <laughs> if anything. On you know, if we have to, we we have some splicing ability <laughs> right. on our end on this show these days. So, um, it'd be like uh, Bo Burnham's "What Special?" I have a great <laughs> I have a great uh, bit about video editors. Video editors are so, and it cuts to the next segment. That's uh, <laughs> Saturday night. Uh, the UFC continues. They soldier on. Uh, I'm skipping over. I know that there is a WSOF event tomorrow, but I don't think with Tyrone Spong dropping off of that with an injury, I don't think anyone at all cares about the fact that there's a WSOF event tomorrow. Um, there's a featherweight title fight with Lance Palmer on it. Um, UFC vet Robbie Peralta is on the card. Um, I'm going to be sitting through it and writing about it tomorrow night, I'm sure, but (laughs) it's just happening. (laughs) That's the thing that's going to happen. The more pressing is Saturday. Uh, this is another really good card from the UFC. This UFC on Fox 17 card tomorrow. I, I hadn't really looked a ton at it because of everything that's been going on this last week. There, there's so much happening in that three day stretch last week that, Obviously, a lot of this was going to fall by the wayside, and now that we're getting, you know, a couple of days away, and we can start to focus on what's actually happening on Saturday night, this is this is a damn good card. Um, the top three on here are excellent. The Fox Sports prelims, uh, there are, I'm, I see three, possibly four really standout fights. Uh, on on the FS1 prelims, and even the Fight Pass card uh, with a couple of Ultimate Fighter guys, it's not terrible. So it's going to be a good night of fights. Uh, Excuse me. Um, But let's start at the top, because we have the lightweight title on the line here on Fox. It's the second Fox event in a row where a title has been on the line. Uh, I was in attendance in Chicago in July, when TJ Dillashaw defeated Henan Barrow a second time. Rafael Dos Anjos is trying to do the same thing against Donald Cerrone here. It's the first time uh, that they've met since August of 2013, another event at which I was in attendance in Indianapolis. Um, Dos Anjos, that was... 
that was really kind of before we realized how good Rafael Dos Anjos is. Uh, he's he's had a weird career. Yeah. He has had a weird career because, you know, he he started off with that loss to Jeremy Stevens in uh, the the third round hail mary uppercut and dropped a decision to Tyson Griffin. It, you know was up and down from there for the next several years, had some injury issues come on. He put together, then he put together, you know, a five fight winning streak, uh, that culminated in that win over Cerrone. And then he turns around and loses to Habib Nurmagomedov. Three wins later, he gets a, a shot against Anthony Pettis kind of because there was no one else available. Um, he really seemed like default challenger guy at the time in March. And instead <laughs> he dominates the champion, which was entirely unexpected. And he comes into this fight now. Um, what are we? Eight months later looking to beat Cerrone a second time. Cerrone himself, you know, since that loss in August of 2013 has done nothing but win fights. Uh, what is he on? Eight wins in a row. Yep. Or, yeah, eight wins in a row. Eight wins in the lightweight division <laughs> since August of 2013, including wins over Edson Barbosa, Jim Miller, Eddie Alvarez, Miles Jury, Benson Henderson. It, it's it's not a murderous entire, row. It, it, it's not entirely shocking that he's done that because he's he's always kind of had the the talent and ability to be at that level. But this is the most consistency he's shown perhaps in his entire career. Now, you know, he fell short against uh, Nate Diaz after he had a, a really long run to start off his UFC career. Uh, he had won, what, four fights in a row in t 2011 uh, before losing the fifth of that year. He likes to stay busy, obviously, but off of this run... Coming into a five-round fight for the UFC lightweight title, Donald Cerrone could win this fight. I I, I would not be entirely shocked. I, there are paths to victory for him. Rafael Dos Anjos. Now that the that there's been some questions regarding him. Now that the USADA testing is is taking place, and uh, there's just I'm curious to see how this fight plays out, and I really don't know what to expect. I, we could see exactly what we saw in the first fight. We could see exactly what we saw from Dos Anjos against Anthony Pettis, or we could see what we've seen from Do Donald Cerrone against guys like Jury, Alvarez, Miller, Barbosa. Hey, I'm really intrigued by this main event. Yeah, this is uh, this is a great fight. Um, it, 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 uh, the, here's the thing about this fight. <laughs> I know, I know. We're and totally prepared for the show, Sean. That's, that's kind of how I feel about this fight is I can't put a sentence together because every time I start to think, well, this could happen, I, I start to think that, you know, it could very well not happen. I mean, like, there's 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 so many different ways this fight could go. I, I think when it comes down to it, um, I like – I really like the way that, that Donald Cerrone has been fighting over the past – you know, over his, his eight-fight run here. I think – you know, he's always been um, kind of an aggressive fighter. You know, he's, he's been a guy that gets after people. Um, you know, if he hurts you, then, then you're in a lot of trouble. You know, he's obviously a quick finisher once he gets uh, gets someone in, in, uh, in trouble. Um, but 
but I think he's been smarter lately too. You know, I didn't necessarily have him winning the fight against Benson Henderson, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's a, it was a Benson Henderson fight, so it's not as if uh, it was a, a slam dunk. The Benson Henderson that. fight that he took on two weeks' notice after right. beating Miles Jury fifteen days before. Yes, and that that's uh, that's something that definitely needs to be said. Um, I mean, it's it, it's a pretty incredible run. Um, when you look at it, you know, especially that that two fight span right there between Miles Jury and Benson Henderson. Miles Jury was on a tear before Donald Cerrone beat him and beat him soundly over three rounds. And uh, you know, he beat this is two legit guys in fifteen days. It's yeah. just a former champion. Yes, a guy a guy, a guy who a guy... hadn't lost and a former champion in fifteen days. That's that's a, pretty and, incredible. And a former champion who had beaten him twice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, also it was close, but still, even if even if. I, I think I scored it for Henderson in that that one too, but he he had an argument for it, and even yeah. having an argument for it on eleven days' notice or whatever it was that he took the fight against a guy who had beaten him twice before, yeah, coming off of the performance he had against Jury. I mean, what more can you say about Donald Cerrone right now? Yeah, it's uh, that's true, and, and I think that's why I'm leaning towards Cerrone in this fight. Um, you know, I. The, the thing about Dos Anjos, I've always I've always liked Dos Anjos um, as a fighter. I, I've never, you know, I was shocked when he when he took out Pettis the way he did. Um, you know, I, I he's a guy that I would never count out of a fight necessarily, but I did not see him being able to dominate Anthony Pettis over the course of five rounds. Um, that's what he did. You know, now I don't I don't know about the whole Usada thing. Um, you know, I'm I'm not taking that into account necessarily in, in what I'm thinking about this fight, um, but. I like the way that Cerrone's been fighting, and I don't. I'm not all the way there on Dos Anjos as like a, a long-term champion. I, oh, excuse me, I almost threw up there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> You're drinking too much tonight. <laughs> I know. <something. laughs> um, no, I, I like the way that Cerrone's been fighting. He's been fighting. He's been fighting smarter. Um, he's fought, you know, guys like ben, Benson Henderson, who, you know before kind of had a kryptonite for the kind of, for the way that he fought and you know he's been able to overcome that i, I think uh, his work with uh, uh with greg jackson and those guys down there obviously you know that's uh, one of the best camps, if not the best camp in mma um you know has, has probably done a lot of good for him and i, I think he's going to win this fight i really do i, I don't know that it's going to be a stoppage but i think donald cerrone is going to be able to negate uh what Rafael dos Anjos does well you know whether that's keeping him away and, and keeping him at a distance uh, or whether it's just stopping the takedown and, and being able to box with him, you know, Rafael Lozano's is no slouch on the feet either, obviously, but uh, Cerrone has that, he's got just a, a great reach at lightweight. I really, you know, I can, I can see Cerrone winning this fight. I mean, I, obviously I, I may be underestimating Lozano's. I fully, uh, I'm fully ready to admit that, you know, obviously he beat Cerrone a couple of years ago, but I think this is a different guy now. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, in fact, I, I would, I think Cerrone is gonna is gonna be able to take this year. One of the key things in that first fight was the fact that Dos Anjos hurt Cerrone in the first round. Mm-hmm. He, he he hurt him, and he kept the pressure on, and really didn't let up at all. And Cerrone was never able to recover. And I'm I'm curious how much of that was just you know Cerrone not taking it seriously. That same year, he had he had been stopped by Anthony Pettis. You know, he had the fight with KJ Nunes that just wasn't that great. It wasn't the most inspired performance. He got a win, and then he went into the Dos Anjos fight, 
And I think it was that loss and just a really poor performance on, on his part that kind of flipped a switch for him. Because from there, he submits Evan Dunham, a, a win that looks better yeah. every day. Uh, knocks out Adriano Martins with a head kick. Submits Edson Barbosa in the first round. Uh, knocks out Jim Miller with a head kick. <laughs> Yeah. Beats Eddie Alvarez, beats Miles Dury, beats Benson Henderson, uh, beats John, Ma- stops John McDessie in May. It's, I, I hate to discredit Dos Anjos because what he did in in March was fantastic against Anthony Pettis, and I say this as someone who has been, you know, among the bigger Pettis supporters in this in this realm right now. And I still believe Anthony Pettis is going to be challenging for the title in 2016. But what Dos Anjos did to him in March was fantastically impressive. Cerrone can still beat him. And I really, it's, I'm leaning that way as well. I've just, I'm just not entirely sure how the fight plays out because what Cerrone does so well is, is, beat guys up or wear them down to where he can get a finish. And I don't know that he can finish Dos Anjos and I'm not entirely sure he can win three rounds. I think he's going to, but I'm not certain of that. And Dos Anjos has the game to make it a very, very long night for Cerrone. If, if he can hurt him early and keep the pressure on from there. Yeah, that, that's kind of the funny thing about this fight is it's the pick for me is totally a feeling, you know, like I don't have much of an idea for how the fight is going to go. Um, you know, I, I just kind of it's just I get the feeling that he's going to win it. <laughs> I just don't know how. <laughs> um, on just about any other card, Junior Dos Santos versus Alistair Overeem might oh. be a headliner. This is our co-main event on Saturday night. Uh, Dos Santos last fought in last year's December Fox show where he defeated um, Stipe Miocic in a contentious decision. I still don't think he actually won that fight and he didn't look particularly great in it. Um, That was his first fight in over a year after losing the title once again to Cain or um, losing the rubber match with Cain Velasquez. Sorry in October of 2013. So he's had two lengthy layoffs in a row, uh, coming back here to take on Alistair Overeem, who has been extremely up and down in his UFC run, is on an upward swing with consecutive wins over Stefan Struve and Roy Nelson. Um, completely different story in Dos Santos here. I, But again, another fight where I just I don't know who is winning this fight. Um, I think Dos Santos at his best is better than Overeem at his best. I don't know that we're going to see Dos Anjos at his best again. Yeah. And that's and that's my hang-up here, because Overeem is as dangerous as ever. He's also as flaky as ever. He has uh, areas in which he's vulnerable against a guy like Dos Santos, but JDS himself is such a such a I don't want to say head case at this point, but he's not necessarily all there the way he was when he took the title and defended it a couple of times. 
Yeah. Or defended it once. He only defended it once. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. This, this heavyweight division is terrible. It's insane. It's, it's insane. so bad. It's you know Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Los Santos is the guy that I think we keep forgetting about because it's usually so long between his fights. And he... Uh, it's I, more I, about the running he had on the way to the title yes. than it was anything after he won. He was he was a murderer on the way to the title, and then you know after after the loss in, in the second fight to Cain Velasquez, it's been you know long layoffs between fights. Uh, he hasn't looked particularly great, you know, and plus they've been just such battles. I mean, the, both of the fights with Cain Velasquez were just brutal. The fight with Mark Hunt just brutal. The fight with Steve Miocic, I'm with you. I don't think he won that fight, but and, Cain and you know his soul. That's oh my gosh, it, he really did. It was, it, it's yeah, that that is. It, that's kind of the logical conclusion there, you know. I mean, and I, I'm with you on this fight. I think that I think that's what makes this hard to call because Junior Dos Santos, in his prime, and it's ridiculous to even say that, but Junior Dos Santos of 2012, let's say, uh, I think wins this fight going away, you know, easily. But uh, you know, right now, uh, the the way this, the way he's looked, in in this in you know in his last uh, couple of fights. Uh, and and the, with the power that Overeem has, you know, I mean, it, the thing is, it only takes one shot for Overeem to go down. But uh... it, well, that, that's as we say this, it's it's for for as much as Dos Santos is not necessarily trustworthy, neither is Overeem. Right. Exactly. He's he's three and three in his last six. That includes three stoppage losses, and. Wins over Frank Mir, Stefan Struve, and Roy Nelson. Um, those are three men that have fallen to Junior Dos Santos. Um, two of them by stoppage. So, you know, I, 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 they, they have the same wins under their belt. I think Dos Santos looked better in each of his wins over those three names. And I still, I, I just think he's better. I worry about mentality and ring rust. Those are, those are the two potential hangups here because he obviously wasn't the same after the first Kane loss. He wasn't the same after the second Kane loss. The yeah. long layoff didn't help things against Miacic. Another long layoff. I don't know how he's going to respond here, but still, I I don't see 
Alistair Overeem beating Junior Dos Santos. There's a part of me that just refuses to accept that as the outcome of this fight. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's... I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. <laughs> but I but I think like the the thing that throws a wrench into things is that Alistair Overeem seems to be the kind of guy who can lose in devastating fashion and still come back and just destroy somebody. You know? Like he goes he goes and loses uh I mean that loss to Antonio Silva was just ridiculous in the third round uh that never should have even happened. The the loss to Travis Brown, you know, that also never should have happened. He should have had he should have knocked out Travis Brown early. Uh, and couldn't do it. Um, the loss to Ben Rothwell, you know, was ridiculous. And he goes and he takes all three of those crazy knockouts and then comes in and eats Stefan Struve's lunch, you know? And that was like three out of four fights that those things happened. And then he goes in and does what he does to Stefan Struve. Uh, but so, I, I, I think that has less and less impact every time Stefan Struve gets out there. And that's the other half of the equation, yeah. too. This is not Stefan Struve that he's going to be fighting, obviously. You know, um... So, yeah, it's it's an interesting fight for sure. I, I don't think it goes very long. Um, and I think that's probably what works in Dos Santos' favor here is that, uh, you know, it's probably not going to go long. And, I, and Overeem, I, I just can't imagine that Overeem is durable enough to take multiple shots from from Junior Dos Santos. Yeah. Uh, in the lightweight division, we have the return of Nate Diaz because uh, someone was running out of money. And <laughs> so he... What's interesting here is is he's fighting for the first time since losing to current champ Rafael Dos Anjos. I mean, you know, Nate Diaz has been around so long that it's it's easy to forget about where he's at. You know, yeah. he, he did beat Donald Cerrone now four years ago in between. Handily. Yeah, handily. In between then, he's gone two and three, but two of those wins... Jim Miller by submission, Gray Maynard by TKO. Uh, he looked very good. Then he lost to Benson Henderson. Not a bad loss. The Josh Thompson, uh, that was a five-round um, fight for the title, by the way. The Josh Thompson loss was surprising. Uh, yeah. He got tooled in that one in a surprising performance. And then losing a decision to, to Rafael Dos Anjos, not necessarily anything that is... Um, you know, to frown on. That, that's not a bad loss. He doesn't have really a bad loss. The Thompson one was surprising, and I, I still don't think it was bad because Thompson um, turned around and should have uh, got the win over Benson Henderson when they fought. And though he's been on, though he went on a really bad run prior to, you know, the release and going to Bellator and all of that, you know, he's he's still got something left in the tank here. What I'm getting at is Diaz is not a bad fighter, and Michael Johnson has a hell of a test in front of him. Uh, Johnson looked has looked very good through his last several fights. The Benil uh, Dariush loss in August was one of the worst decisions of the last several yeah. years. Uh, he should be on a five-fight winning streak into this event. That was not a, not a good call. As good as D Dariush has been this year, that was not his fight. Um, Johnson absolutely got screwed and has a reason to feel that way. Johnson's very good. Diaz is very good. This is just a really good fight. Um, yeah. I, I, I think Johnson could very well control this one 
with his wrestling game. And, and I think that's more likely than not. But Diaz is a more dynamic fighter with more ways to stop the fight than Johnson. Uh, so it, it's one of those, if it's going to be stopped, it's going to happen by Diaz. Otherwise, yeah. I think Johnson wins a decision. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, even in the uh, the Josh Thompson stoppage, you know, Diaz was not exactly out uh, or anything like that. You know, like you said, it was a surprising uh, loss. Not an unjustified stoppage, but uh, certainly not one that uh, that seemed to affect Diaz for too long after, after it happened. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think it, the more likely scenario is probably Johnson by decision, um, but Diaz by stoppage would not necessarily surprise me at all. Uh, good fight. Like you said, it's it's a, it's a uh, just excellent matchmaking right here. Uh, the main card on Fox is rounded out by an interesting choice, given what else is available on the undercard, as Ronda Marcos takes on uh, somewhat late replacement Karolina Kowalkowicz. Um, uh, Kowal- Kowalkowicz coming in is 7-0, and and is uh, a, a vet of KSW. Um She's out of, fighting out of Poland, seven and zero at thirty years old. So it's not like she's not a young, up and coming prospect or anything like that. She got into the game a bit late, just as did uh, Marcos, who is also thirty and sitting at five and two. Uh, Marcos has two losses on her career to Justine Quiche and Jessica Penne. She looked impressive during her time on the Ultimate Fighter twenty in trying to get to. The first ever women's strawweight title fight uh, looked good against Ashling Daly in April in her first official UFC win. Um, this is one of those I don't know a ton about Kowalkovic, um coming in. She obviously has uh, done well enough, score a couple of stoppages, get a couple of decision wins, um, and and be effective in uh, KSW. She has one win in Invicta over Mizuki Inui uh, from last November, which was uh, a, a solid, if unspectacular, fight. Marcos has had her ups and downs, um, but looked really good during the Ultimate Fighter and is a, a very tough fighter, if nothing else. I think Marcos has the game to get a decision here, but again, not knowing a ton about Kowalkowicz coming in, it's it, this is a toss-up entirely, and a really odd choice to open the Fox broadcast tomorrow night or Saturday night. Yeah, I, I, this one, I think, like you said, um, given what's on the preliminaries, uh, I, I was kind of confused by this opening the uh, opening the card. Maybe they know something we don't. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not terribly familiar with Marcos or uh, Kowalkowicz, Obviously, or honestly, I, I, uh, I can't. Um, seem to recall <laughs> Marcos's last couple of fights, even though I know she's got a couple of fights in the UFC. Um, you know, I haven't watched the Ultimate Fighter in several years, so I, I'm not familiar with it from that either. Um, Lucky. So yeah, I, yeah, I will, uh, <laughs> I will defer to you on this one. Uh, the preliminary card has a ton to like, Stacked. just a ton to like. Starting at the top with Charles Oliveira against Miles Jury. Uh, jury dropping down to featherweight after his loss to Donald Cerrone. Oliveira getting back in after um, a really scary moment in August. Ended his fight with Max Holloway real quickly. Um, he essentially tore his esophagus, which is just, it, that's it's horrifying to think about. 
Yeah. Um, but this this is such a great great featherweight matchup. Jury had been like you you mentioned it earlier. Jury had been on a tear at lightweight before running into Cerrone. Um, he had been undefeated in 15 professional fights. You know, he came out of the Ultimate Fighter, so he didn't get a ton of respect throughout a lot of his run. But this is a guy who uh, has a win over Michael Johnson, who is fighting on the main card. Knocked out Ramsey Nijim, beat uh, tough vets in Mike Ricci and Diego, Diego Sanchez. He actually got a decision win over Diego Sanchez, which that, is that might be the most an, an, an impossible ever, feat. <laughs> and then he destroyed Takanori Gomi last September. Yeah. So th- this is a this is a really good fighter here, Charles Oliveira has a ton of stoppage wins to his credit. He's a great submission artist, had won four straight coming in um, to the Holloway fight in August, dating back to uh, consecutive losses to Cub Swanson and Frankie Edgar in the featherweight field. Oliveira is fantastic to watch. Jury is fantastic to watch. This is just such a great fight. I think... Oliveira has the edge, especially with Jury cutting for the first time, and I'm not sure what to expect from Jury in the weight cut. Um, Jury does have a very well-rounded game and is is defensively sound, so it, it could be a really tough, grueling type of fight. I think Oliveira's got a slight edge, and I've got him in this one, but it wouldn't shock me at all if Jury pulls this off. Yeah, um, it doesn't do much for the to making the podcast very interesting, but I'm right there with you. Hmm. Um, I, I, you know, the, just the argue of... with me, damn it, Sean. <laughs> I can't, I can't do Rich better than Rich does. But uh, I, I think um, the, you know, you always have the unknown of cutting down a weight class. Um, but Charles Oliveira has just looked fantastic since he cut down to featherweight. You know, his only two losses before Max Holloway were Cub Swanson when Swanson was going crazy, and uh, and Frankie Edgar, who you know, Frankie Edgar's going to beat everybody. Um, but, you know, his last four wins, that, especially the win over Nick Lentz with a, with a guillotine choke, you know, that was really impressive. Nick Lentz is really good on the ground, and uh, and Oliveira was just outclassed him and, and looked fantastic in doing so. Um, you know, he choked out Hatsu Hiyoki, um, you know, also a tall order. Uh, I, I, I think Oliveira does have the edge here. I, I wish that that Max Holloway fight had gone differently. I mean, obviously, the, uh, the, the injury is terrifying um, and probably had didn't have a whole lot to do with the fight, but, uh, you know, it would have been interesting to see what he could do against Max Holloway. Um, but this is nonetheless a, a very intriguing fight. You know, I, I, I'm curious to see what the mindset is of Miles Jury after being, you know, uh, he was, he was just buzzsawing through everybody, uh, and then just had his, had his head handed to him by Donald Cerrone. So you got to wonder where, where his head is, if he's got that confidence back, you know, he was a very confident guy, had a lot of swagger going into that fight. And uh, Cerrone pretty much ate his lunch. So um, you got to wonder if, he, if he's got that back going down to the uh, to featherweight. And, uh, you know, Oliveira obviously is, is dangerous against everybody. So uh, I, I really I like this fight a lot. I, I do think Oliveira has the edge, like you say, but it would not shock me to see Miles Jury do pretty well against him also. I feel like you're hungry tonight. You're talking about a, an awful lot of lunch eating. But um, I'm going to bounce around a little bit here because there are a couple of fights I want to dedicate a little more time to than uh, C.B. Dalloway, Nate Marquardt, or Sarah Kaufman <laughs> against uh, I, late replacement I, Valentina Shevchenko. I'm going to throw um, this out there. I, I hope one of them is Tam McCrory and Josh Salmon. Yes, that was the next one I was going to. I love that fight so much. I love so much about this fight. <laughs> Salmon has been 
just a really bright spot out of uh, the Ultimate Fighter 17, which also featured uh, uh, Kelvin Gastelum. That's turning out to be not a terrible season, prospect-wise, for for the show. Certainly much better than the Ultimate Fighter 19, um, but uh, out out of Tough 17, Salmon... You know, he, he scored a nice win over Kevin Casey, was out a year and a half, went through some serious personal tragedy, um, has been very open about a lot of things because he's been doing some writing himself over at Bloody Elbow and, and, and some other things. Uh, but he came back in December of last year, knocked out Eddie Gordon with a head kick in fantastic fashion, fought in July submits Kai Omega Leish with just a great rear naked choke after busting him up to begin with. Uh, and, and he enters against Tamden McCrory, who's another really solid story. This is a guy who left the sport for five years, five years, yeah. came back as if he hadn't missed anything, knocked out Brendan Ward, submitted Jason Butcher in, uh, in Bellator didn't like the direction things were going with Bellator, got his release. He's back in the UFC. This is his first UFC fight since a split decision loss to John Howard at UFC 101. (laughs) August of 2009. This is his first UFC fight in over six years. Um, it's It's a great story. Both are really entertaining guys, endearing guys, and this this is just a hell of a fight. I I part of me leans McCrory based on skill set, but Salmon's got so much heart and ability in his own right that this is a really tough fight for both of them. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think I, I think Salmon probably has the edge here if I'm looking at it. I, I think Salmon is he's just a savage. I mean, he's just looked tremendous in, in his last four plays. He's also a bigger guy, which is something is. that I, that I, you know, wasn't really taking into account until I just thought about it. But the fact is, you know, he, he comes in, uh, what's, what's, what's weird is McCrory is actually the taller guy. McCrory okay. is six, four salmon. Six, three McCrory is sneaky tall. He's, huh. he's one, he, he's always been lanky. Is the thing yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's 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 been so lanky and hasn't really had the size on him, whereas Salmon really does have uh, the 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 size to his credit and utilizes it well, whereas McCrory has always used the the lanky limbs in his submission game, which has been a, a key aspect of the Barncats game to date. So th- this is I, I love this fight. Yeah, I do too. And, and one, of the, one of the things I love about Salmon, uh, like I said before, he's a savage. He's violent. He wants to go in there and crush people. That's And that's just the way he fights. He fights like he wants to destroy you, which, you know, it kind of makes me a little bit uh, sadistic maybe that I like it so much. But I, I love guys with that kind of game plan. You know, like Yoel Romero has that kind of game plan. He wants to go in there and just hurt people. And it's a lot of fun to watch. I figured um, you were a sadist. <laughs> I, you know, so I, much I, of the last eight years makes sense now, Sean. <laughs> we all have our demons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I really, I like this fight a lot because Ted McCrory is everything about this guy is sneaky. You know, like 
he's just he's a scrappy guy, but he's he, like he's really slick too. Like if you look at um, uh, you know his his uh, his first UFC run, you know he he had that uh, that loss to Dustin Hazlitt uh, with that crazy reverse armbar that he did, but but. Tanner McCrory is is really slick on the uh, you know with whatever he does the uh, the submission that he got over Jason Butcher was really nice I mean it was only a minute but uh, I mean the last two fights he had lasted a combined minute and a half for Pete's sake you know and he's been out of the sport for, like you said for five years that's crazy but uh, he's just he, he's a sneaky good fighter um, you know you wouldn't know it necessarily by looking at his last UFC run but at the same time like he just there's something about him where it looks like a guy that you would not that you would underestimate, but he's he's scrappy and he's sneaky and he's uh, he's, he's slick. I, I really like his game, um, but I do think Salmon has the edge here just from a a size and savagery standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other main standout on the prelims for me is the uh, aforementioned Nick Lentz against Danny Castillo. Lentz moving back up to lightweight here. Castillo. Longtime lightweight veteran, uh, really in need of a win. Um, Castillo has, has been on a bad run with three straight losses. Lentz obviously lost to Oliveira his last time out, um, and also, you know, dropped a decision to Chad Mendez in in 2013. But his featherweight run uh, had him looking very good. He had a, he had a four and two run at featherweight, coming back to lightweight for the first time since he um, got beat by Evan Dunham at the Chicago Fox card that you and I were at in yep. January of 2012. Um, so uh, Lentz coming in here has improved greatly since moving to Florida and working with uh, American Top Team. Castillo is is on a downswing here, and I don't know that this is the fight that's going to continue it for him. Hit What he does best... Is is something Lentz deals with pretty well, and I part of me tends to believe that that Lentz is the better grappler here, uh, and I don't know if Castillo is enough of a better striker to make up for it. Yeah, I don't see this fight getting stopped on the feet, um, or really even spending a whole lot of time on the feet. Quite honestly, uh, I, I I do think probably next er, next uh, Lentz has the uh, has the edge here. Um, you know, I, I I'm I'm kind of with you. I I think Danny Castillo I think has gotten by a lot on grit and uh, and just toughness. But you know, I do think that uh, that Nick that Nick Lentz uh, is going to out grapple him and use a lot of you know just nasty grinding to uh, to win two out of three rounds here at least, uh, if not a clean sweep. I I, I think Lentz wins by uh, by decision. It's uh, but it's. But it's a good fight. You know, it's it's an intriguing fight nonetheless because if Castillo is going to get off the schneid here, that's how he's going to do it. He's going to have to out Nick Lentz, Nick Lentz. So it's a, it's an interesting fight. That's not easy to do. It's not. All right, let's go uh, uh, quick predictions before we uh, touch on some of the recently announced fights for the UFC's February schedule as they've uh, started packing up uh, the, the fights coming that month. Uh, but we're going to break down just, just a few more fights so real quick predictions. I don't need breakdowns here. CB Dalloway, Nate Marquardt at middleweight. CB Dalloway. By what? Uh, I'm gonna say knockout. Interesting. Don't disagree with it. Just interested. Mm. Um, Sarah Kaufman, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, Kaufman over 
uh, Sh- Sh- Shevchenko by me not having heard of Sh- Shevchenko. <laughs> uh, show prep. Cole Miller <laughs> oh, against Jim Ellers at featherweight. Uh, Cole Miller wins by doing Cole Miller things, either crazy submission or decision. Leon Edwards against Black Zillion's tough winner, Kamaru Usman. Um, let's see. I'm going to go Kamaru Usman via having more than one U in his name. <laughs> um, Ultimate Fighter ATT versus Black Zillion's uh, rematch. Haider Hassan against Vicente Luca. Uh, who won the first one? Uh, Hassan on the show. I'm going to go with Luca and they do the hotly anticipated trilogy. I don't think anyone cares about any of those fights. <laughs> Luis Henrique against Francis Ngannou at heavyweight. This is apparently something that's happening. I talked about the strength of this card. I apologize for suggesting that the fight pass event, uh, part of the card actually held up because now that I look at it closer, it does not. <laughs> Uh, I may have heard of Leon Edwards. The rest of them I have not. But I'm going to go with Nganu uh, via having an NG to start out his last name. I like I like your reasoning. I like the way that you think. <laughs> That's all for UFC and Fox uh, 17. We will have live coverage of the televised event on Saturday uh, right here at MMA Torch. So make sure to tune in uh, as, as we will have play-by-play there. Um I want to touch on a few things because the UFC started filling out their February schedule this week, um, beginning with announcing several fights for UFC 196 on uh, Super Bowl weekend, February 6th, which will be my wife's 30th birthday. So Rich Hansen will be covering <laughs> UFC 196 what? Uh, on February 6th. You're not going to be covering fights on your wife's birthday? I, I'm okay. not going to be covering fights on my wife's 30th birthday, no. Um the card will be headlined by the heavyweight rematch, heavyweight title rematch between Fabricio Verdum and Cain Velasquez. And several more fights are now set for the event. I'm sure, Sean, that you saw the uh, graphic that announced Johnny Hendricks versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Roy Nelson against Jared Rochelt. Um I believe Josh Berkman, KJ Noons, and Mike Pyle, Sean Spencer were both on that as well. Um... Added on this week, Derek Lewis against Damian Grabowski and Ovin St. Pru against Rafael Feijal Cavalcante. Ooh. Thoughts on the UFC 196 card as it stands right now? I like uh, I like OSP and uh, Feijal. I think that's an interesting fight right there. Uh, always fun to see the Black Beast, uh, you know, doing what he does. Um, what else we got here? Uh, refresh me. Refresh me. Hendrix Nelson. Thompson, Nelson Rochelt. I love Hendricks Thompson very much. I, I wanted, to, I fight. really wanted to see Hendricks Damian Maya, and right as we, right as everyone said that following Maya's win, they put this graphic up with the Hendricks Thompson <laughs> fight. Everyone wanted to see Damian Maya Johnny Hendricks, assuming that Teron Woodley was going to be getting the next title fight after Lawler Condit, and then they go and say, "Oh, you really want to see that? Oh, we've already booked this." <laughs> I mean, I do like this fight. I like this fight yes. a lot. Wonder Boy is so much fun to watch. Hendricks, if he's going to stay at welterweight, this is okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really curious what happens with Maya and Woodley at welterweight right now because I have a feeling the UFC might make them fight each other. You know, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, I, the thing about the, the Hendricks and, and uh, Thompson fight is it's it's not a fight that makes a ton of sense as far as, you know, uh, furthering... Um, 
storylines, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether, or okay, trajectories. <laughs> you know, trajectories. Oh wait, he doesn't have further storylines either. <laughs> okay, NXT writers. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's not it's it's not uh, from a continuity perspective, it doesn't make a ton of sense. But it's a it's a great fight. I mean, like I I really want to see it. I'm really intrigued by uh, what Thompson can do against a guy like Hendricks because Hendricks you would think would be his kind of kryptonite. Um, but he's been fighting so well uh, that you have to wonder if he, you know, is at a point in his career where he's going to be able to handle uh, a big-time wrestler. But then again, at the same time, if Hendricks tries to stand and strike with Thompson, he will get hurt. Like, Hendricks, you know, Hendricks hits like a Mack truck, but he's not going to be able to catch up with Thompson, you know. So I, I really, uh, I really, I like this fight a lot for a lot of reasons. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. What else we got? Uh, Nelson Rochelle. Louis Grabowski at heavyweight. If Nelson doesn't knock out Rolls Holt, um, it's going to be a terrible, terrible fight. Um, I'm going to correct you there. It's going to be a terrible, terrible fight. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll accept that. <laughs> uh, Josh Berkman against KJ Noons at lightweight. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that fight at all. That's fine. You know, throwback, a uh, nice... Old school uh, strike force guy versus uh, an old school tough guy. I, I can deal with that. That's what I like so much about uh, OSP against Feijao, is it's it's two guys who spent quite a bit of time in strike force and just happened to never face off. You know, yeah. obviously Feijao was uh, much higher up the ladder at that point yeah. in time. You know, he was he was the divisions champion at one point in strike force while OSP was coming up through the challenger system, but I still liked the fight quite a bit, even though Feijal looked absolutely terrible against Patrick Cummins in August. Feijal is one of those guys where it's like, it's almost like old Vitor. Like you wonder if, if old Feijal is ever coming back and old Feijal wasn't even like, he, he wasn't even quite as dynamic as old Vitor, but you is still this wonder. A, is this a, in the same vein of uh, motivated BJ Penn? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I think I think these guys are all together. Like uh, old Feijal is like uh, the little the, the 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 poor man's or maybe the homeless man's motivated BJ Penn. Rich still contends that BJ retired after knocking out Matt Hughes. So, <laughs> um, February also has a couple of fight night events uh, that the UFC has started booking out this week. UFC Fight Night 82 is hitting the Console Energy Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on Sunday, February 21st. It is the second uh, Sunday event in as many months from the UFC. Well, they are hitting London and the O2 Arena on February 27th. Both of those cards have several fights booked for them. Um, and in fact, UFC Fight Night 82 is pretty much just missing a... Uh, headliner at this point, there are 10 fights already either officially announced or um, reported for the event. So I'm just going to run them down for you, Sean, because I'm not sure if you've seen any of these announcement this, uh, announcements this week. I'm not get... sure either. Okay, we'll run together. I want I, I want to get your reaction because there are several of these that are uh, highly intriguing. Starting with Cody Garbrandt is fighting John Lineker at Bantamweight. Ooh. Ooh. That's uh that's a good little fight. You know, Lineker finally moving to Bantamweight where he should have been for a long time. Um, this is his and... second fight at Bantamweight. This is oh, coming right. off. That's right. This is coming off of the Francisco Rivera just mind of a crazy fight earlier yes. th- this year. 
Yeah, where he he won that fight, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he's, by he's submission after one of the ridic- most ridiculous firefights you're going to see. Yes, yes, I remember that vividly now. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I like that fight a lot because uh, Lineker obviously still hits like a ton of bricks at 135. Um, so yeah, great uh, great matchmaking there. That's good stuff. Speaking of violence, Brandon Thatch fights Cr Bahadur Zada. Ooh, a returning Bahadur Zada. Yeah, I was just going to say, how long has it been since we've seen Bahar? It's been a long time. Um, Let me see. December 2013. It's been two years. It's been two years since he last fought. Wow. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, I'm always, always up for a Brandon Thatch fight. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about uh, Baharzada, Baharzada. I don't remember a whole lot about him other than, I mean, he was a pretty... Uh, he didn't he didn't he win a few fights by knockout and then like lose a couple decisions or something like that. He knocked out Paulo Tiago in 42 seconds in his UFC debut. That's right. That's and right. So dropped, we don't know if he's any good, really. Well, he dropped decisions to Dong Young Kim and John Howard in his follow-ups in 2013. Um, he had nearly a year off in between the debut and the Kim fight. Um, but prior to the the, the, the Tiago. 42 second win was his, I think, fifth straight by TKO knockout. Whatever he's yeah. he's a buzzsaw. Yeah, he is, this was he's before a buzzsaw this... Afghani fighter who has a lot of power. This one's going to be violent and fun. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now I remember this now because this was before when he knocked out Tiago. That was before we realized that Tiago was shot, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This was so, 2012. Yeah. Yeah, so this was a long yeah. time ago. So th- yeah, this should be this. Yeah, that's definitely. Now that I remember who this guy is, that is, that is definitely an interesting fight. I like that a lot. Violence, uh, violence on the way. Good stuff. So there's a few more interesting fights on this card, including uh, Juan Carnero t- uh, returning for the first time since uh, his submission win over Mark Munoz in February of this year to take on Derek Brunson. sneaky good fight Brunson off of consecutive stoppage first round stoppage wins over Ed Herman and Sam Alvey uh I really like this fight at middleweight yeah Derek Brunson a guy who's easy to forget about but then you see him again and you say oh yeah Derek Brunson's pretty good yeah that's yeah that's good stuff um we got a couple of women's uh bantamweight fights on the card Betch Cohea booked for the first time since losing to Ronda Rousey and interestingly enough you know, she she had no top 15 competition before she fought Ronda Rousey, which is not the ideal way to go into a title fight. <laughs> um, she's fighting top 10 fighter Jessica I on this card. I don't think it's going to go well for Miss Cohea. I don't think it's going to go well for Cohea at all. <laughs> uh, also, former Invicta Bantamweight champion Lauren Murphy will fight tough 18 vet Sarah Morris. Mm. I do not know a whole lot about Lauren Murphy, um, but <laughs> tough, tough vet makes me wonder if uh, she's uh, heading into a showcase fight here. Uh, Murphy was quite good through a couple of fights in Invicta. Uh, she won. She technically won the title because the champion got hurt in the middle of the fight. Uh, Miriam uh-huh. Nakamoto blew out her knee in uh, the fourth round of their fight. Um, but Murphy, her two, her two fights in the UFC split decision, loss to Sarah McMahon decision, loss to Liz Carmouche. So she's fought two title challengers in the UFC thus far. Sarah Morris, on the other hand, uh, picked up a, a, a decision, 
while getting um, planted on her back uh, against Alexis Dufresne. It was a really odd fight and decision, and then got beat by Jessica Andrade in July of this year. So I, I, I think a uh, showcase fight for Murphy might be correct. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see about that one, I guess. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll just run down the other fights on this one. Joe Riggs fights Chris Komotsi at middleweight. Anthony Hamilton fights Shamil Abdurakimov at heavyweight. James Krause meets Shane Campbell in a lightweight bout. Alex Garcia back in action against Sean Strickland at welterweight. Trevor Smith against Leonardo Augusto Guimaraes at middleweight. And Sam Alvey against Daniel Serafian at middleweight. That is UFC Fight Night 82 still awaiting a headliner for February 21st in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Sam Alvey and uh, Serafian, that's a sneaky good fight. And then um, the the other one that stood out, Joe Riggs and Chris Camozzi. What year is it? <laughs> it it will be 2016 when this wow. happens. Isn't that something? It's something, yes. <laughs> the thing that's scheduled to happen. Six days later, the UFC is in London, England, once again. Uh, also, no headliner on this card as of yet, but Michael Bisping fights Gegard Mousasi. Mike Wilkinson meets Makwan Am- Amirkani. Norman Park takes on Rustam Habilov. Tom Breeze fights Akita Nakamura in a fun welterweight matchup. Brad Pickett meets Henry Briones at Bantamweight, trying to get back on track. Davy Grant, Ultimate Fighter 18 runner-up, returns for the first time since his loss to Chris Holdsworth uh, to take on Marlon Vera, which is a fairly sneaky, solid Bantamweight fight. And then, uh, let's see, Arnold Allen against Yeltsin Meza, and just announced today, Tough 22 Team Europe fighters Martin Svensson, taking uh and david tamer meeting on this one did you recognize any of those names outside of michael bisping or gegard busazi that's that's the question sean uh a couple of them rang a bell i could not i could not recall them if you asked me to but uh i, I have a hard i time. bet you know norman park and rustam Habilov and no one else other than brad pickett Yes, that is. Those are true statements. When you said uh, every time you would say "tough veteran," I would say maybe I know this guy, and then I just didn't know him. So uh, that's uh, that's where we are right now. But no, I I have a hard time thinking that uh, Bisping versus Mustasi is not going to be the main event of that card. It's not right now. It has not been announced as the main event. They're they're allegedly still going to bring another fight for that top spot. When it color, was me, anou- color me skeptical. When it was announced, it was not announced as a main event. And, you, I mean, you've got Musazi coming in off a loss. Uh, Bisping obviously beat Talis Latis his last time out. Um, but it, it's, it has not been announced as the main event. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it wound up as the main event simply because it's Bisping in England. Yeah. But it was not officially announced as the main event when they, they announced the bout. So... They've they've left expectations out there for something more. Yeah, and, and for the record, if Musasi decides to show up for that fight, he's gonna wipe the floor with Bisping. You know, I thought that about Talos Latis too. Yeah, that's a fair point. But you know, Talos Latis is also Talos Latis. Of course, then again, Musasi's Musasi. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point stands all around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I go I go to dispute you, and I end up uh, you know proving your point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
All right, Sean. Um, I think that's all for this week. Um, we will not be back next week as next Thursday is Christmas Eve. Um, so happy holidays, everyone. The week after is, is New Year's Eve, so we might need to find a different day than Thursday to record the week after to uh, after the holidays to break down anything else to end the year. We'll probably want to get something together for a year-end show. Anyway, so expect something the last week of uh, 2015, just not on Thursday night because we're not recording on New Year's Eve. So I just want to point out here, I know it's not Thanksgiving, but uh, I missed Thanksgiving and several weeks after, so I'm going to point this out. Uh, we we just got through a three fight a three event weekend where a card that was too good to be true actually happened, and then in two more weeks we have Carlos Condit and Robbie freaking Lawler. Are you kidding me right now? That's it's happening. Ridiculous. That's happening. These are things that are happening, and I just and, I can't believe. And then that a, we are and lucky then a couple enough. weeks after that, we get T.J. Dillashaw against Dominic Cruz. I mean, come on. <laughs> The fact that Dominic Cruz is not already off this card is cause for celebration. <laughs> I mean, We've got time, but still, he's he's still on the card right now, and that you know what, props to him. We're we're gonna we're gonna have a ton to talk about on a year end type show because it's been a really good year for fights. Tremendous. A lot a lot have fallen out. There's been injury issues. There's been a lot of craziness that's happened with with John Jones. And just and Ronda Rousey losing and everything that's gone on, but it's been a big year oh. for big time fights, big second time cards. And well, not only not just the second half; it was really the the middle was the only part that slowed down. Yeah, even true. for a little bit because the the first three cards of the year were just straight fire. Yeah, and yeah. especially from a business standpoint. From the UFC. Yep. They started off so strong. And, you know, obviously because they started off strong, some of those fighters weren't available till the end of the year. And they finished super, super strong in November and December. So props to the UFC for uh, a a big year. We'll have a lot more to talk about. Um, Not not this uh, next week. But the week after, we'll be back for sure. Um, At some point, we will coordinate that between now and then. Uh, But once again, thank you everyone for listening in. For Sean Ennis, this is Jamie Pettigrew.